When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, you're listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rock. Best place to discover new music and rock and roll. This is Chris Tapp from the Cold Stairs. Sleeping with a time bomb attached to my brain. I laid right down the top of it, but I felt no pain. Wasting no time. Jumping in line for the self arrange. Pain said pretty words about my hopes and dreams. I wished on a shiny star for the The album, Tell Your Girls It's All Right, is out September 10th. The guest today will be Meta Dead, singer and guitar player from the Dead Deads. Can't wait for you to all hear it. Happy Tuesday to everyone listening. Hope you're enjoying your day. Hope your week is off to a great start. Some big news breaking today. The festival Bonnaroo has canceled due to weather. Uh, Hurricane Ida just uh, wreaking havoc in uh, in the south right now. It's going to be making its way up north here probably within the next week. But uh, for those in transit, listening, going to Bonnaroo, turn around. It's not happening. It sucks, but safety first as always, right? So hopefully uh, you can get your money refunded and Look forward to next year, but uh, it's just not going to happen. Other music news. Last week, it was Paul Stanley getting COVID. It is now Kiss bassist Gene Simmons, who has now come down with the Rona. The next handful of dates through this coming weekend have been postponed to be rescheduled at a later date. So bummer on that for those that have gotten tickets to the Kiss end of the road show. You also haven't checked out us weekly did an interview with Gene Simmons offered a heartfelt apology to David Lee Roth and 
It was pretty genuine. I thought it was great that he went and did that, and um, the way he did it and the way he apologized, I thought was 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 great. So kudos to Gene for taking ownership of his comments and doing that. It is the end of August, everyone. So thank you all for tuning in and listening. I appreciate everything you guys do for the podcast, sharing the podcast, liking the podcast, giving your thoughts and your feedback. Always enjoy. Thank you very much. I'd like to welcome everyone who also appeared on the show. We had Brad Gillis from Night Ranger, the legendary D. Snyder, the Age of Truth, which uh, Kevin McNamara, lead singer, did an awesome interview. Love that interview. Sydney Taylor from Metal from the Inside, Matt James from Blacktop Mojo, Danko Jones, Amy Darling, John Karabi. Check that out. That aired last week. That was a great interview. Jack J. Hutchinson, emerging singer-songwriter, blues guitar player from the UK, and of course, uh, The Cold Stairs, and tonight's guest, The Dead Dead. So great August. Thank you. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on every podcast platform. Please write us reviews. If you really want to support the show and you want to you know, tell us what you think, just write a quick review wherever you listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you can write a review. I really do appreciate it. I always thank those that have done so in the past, and it means a lot to the show. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And also, don't forget that we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the great family of music podcasts. Always appreciate uh, what they do. They do a fantastic job supporting music, supporting different avenues and different journeys of rock and roll. Um, just a great, uh, great family to be a part of. I always mention shout out Loudcast, Mistress Carrie, hanging and banging with Carmen Apice and Vinny Apice. Also, Ron Anesti's part of that. Uh, Cobras and Fire, Martin Popoff, Rock and Roll Archaeology. Always remember to check them out. That's a, a really cool podcast as well. Uh, you got Pamela DeBar, Pajama Party, um, great podcast there too as well. So many others. Decibel Geek is also on there too as well. So go check out. Have some fun checking out all the great podcasts that uh, are part of the Pantheon podcast realm. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us. Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED, erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. BlueChew's Sedenafil and Tadalafil 
Tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct. So it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for Hook Rocks listener. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code MILKSHAKE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code MILKSHAKE to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Hook Rocks podcast. All right, let's, uh, let's get going with the interview. I'd like to welcome in my next guest, part of a rock and roll trio, a, a hard rock punk trio, a great band from Nashville. The new album is Tell Your Girls It's All Right. The band is The Dead Deads, and the guest is singer, guitar player, Meta Dead. What's going on? How are you? That's me. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I how are things in Nashville right now? Oh, always uh always fun. And uh and uh today's been a busy day for me. I'm just uh working on a lot of things, getting geared up for this tour during a, a pandemic is a crazy thing. So yeah. lots to lots yeah. to figure out. Yeah, you know, um live music is upon us. Hopefully we keep continuing forward which is the goal for everybody, especially bands who kind of had to pack it in in 2020. And here we are in 2021. And hopefully we don't go backwards. I know there's been some cancellations, some postponements, but I always try to be positive. So let's continue to do that. Absolutely. So we always start the same way every time we have a first time guest on the podcast. And it's basically the whole idea behind the show. Just like every great rock rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a band, performance, a song, or album, that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? I think that, the well, the first concert I ever saw was Crystal Gale and Kenny Rogers. And at that moment, I think I, it wasn't rock and roll that hooked me but it was the emotion of music in general. So I ha- I do have to shout out that as like a pre-hook. I don't know if I haven't heard anyone do that with you before, but <laughs> there is that kind of first emotional pre-hook. But I think the first time I saw uh, I, I got hooked into rock and roll was um, I was, uh, it was my local band scene. I think I was maybe 14 and saw a live local heavy band for the first time, like where, you know, there's only 10 people there and it's in a small dark room and you just, you feel the intensity of a house show or a small club show. And, uh, that the band was called fizz gig. Um, and it just kind of made me realize this is attainable. This isn't like, you don't have to be the Rolling Stones to make things that sound like this, if that makes sense. Sure. So for me, it's, and that's always been a, a, a thing I come back to when people say, you know, what's, what, you know, what's your biggest influence or, you know, what's, and it's always been the bands around me. Like what, no matter what level you're at, it's like, Oh man, my contemporaries, that's who, that's who motivates me to do better. And, um, but yeah, I don't, 
if that answer doesn't work, I can definitely say someone famous as well. But no, for me, it no, was, it really was seeing seeing electric guitar and drums and bass in a room for the first time where I could reach out and touch it. That I I was like, that's something I want to do. And my dad, uh, I came home from school and I had a uh, uh, electric guitar sitting on my bed. That's awesome. Everybody's got a different story. That's what makes, you know, even though the question is always the same, the answer is always different. And that's great. I mean, that's, you know, it'd be boring if everybody had the same story. Everybody's like, heard the Beatles, the rest is history. Well, it's <laughs> like also, it's, make, it's, wouldn't make as good of a podcast. Well, no, but, but, you know, it is interesting because based on like generations, like when I, interview like a legacy artist you know at a, around a certain age a lot of them do say the beatles right and ed sullivan you know that's yeah. pretty common for that but after you get past kind of that generation there's so many different answers yeah well i mean and going back to that the going to the ed sullivan show and and the artists that were performing and just kind of like blowing minds at that time just you know for for us to see rock and rollers, you know, doing that kind of thing. But also for me as a kid, those were the bands, the kind of bands that were on that show were the bands that I first got into at like um, the earliest age was bands that were, uh, that were what we would consider oldies, you know, 60s bands. So like, you know, Herman and the Hermits and all these, all these great, and and of course the Beatles, but those were the first albums that I really had. And those were the, I remember like taping songs off the radio of the oldie station and making my own little mixtapes when I was in, you know, fifth or sixth grade. So it never really changes. Um, You know, the, the influence of that music, I feel like never really changes anyone who hears it. It does have an impact. My first concert was Eddie Rabbit when uh, when I was younger. So they, my parents took me to see Eddie, Eddie Rabbit. So I kind of totally get what you're saying about the passion for the music and performance. You know, like I was never a big country fan when I was younger, but seeing that made an impression on me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I love a, a rainy night a- was uh, was a big song back then. So yeah, uh, oh, I love. Oh, I love a rainy night. It's, it's such a, it's such a beautiful. I mean, bands like Weezer talk about Eddie, like Rivers Cuomo talks about Eddie Rabbit being a huge influence. So you can't deny some of those hooks, right? Absolutely. No matter what kind of music you like. So where did it go from there? After you got the electric guitar on your bed, when did you want to perform in being a band? Well, I started performing very young because uh, my mother was a pianist. And so, uh, and I was raised in the church and so I would go, you know, I would sing at church, like the common story. Um, and then, uh, I started playing piano at five and I started playing acoustic guitar, at like, I don't know, 12 or 13. And those were just vehicles for songwriting. I just wanted to write songs all the time. Um, and then, uh, it wasn't until high school really when I saw that live band, um, of kids, it was kids playing rock and roll. I was like, Oh, I mean, the lead singer was younger than me. Like he was like 12 or 13. He ripped. And I just thought, Oh, kids can do this. And so then I guess, um, I had my, my parents were very supportive of music and we had a little, like, uh, little 
very humble little shed basically behind our house that, that had electricity that we would put our instruments in and kind of jam back there. And, uh, but I didn't ever do it. All the neighbor kids would come over and use the space. And then, uh, some, one of them invited me to like put on my guitar and plug it into one of their amps, which I still didn't. I was like, Oh, that's how you make it loud. Cause I just had this little tiny amp in my room. And then I plugged, I thought, Oh, my guitar is not very loud, you know, cause I just didn't know any better. And then plug it in and I'm playing with all these boys in there. And it was just like, Whoa, this is, this is the real deal. So then I played a, uh, I played maybe a high school talent show and, uh, and I really, but I really just kept being a singer songwriter. Like I, I kept just, to me, the focus was always the song and just songwriting, not necessarily performance or rocking out or anything like that. That stuff just all kind of happened because it needed to, I guess. Who were some of your influences, you know, singer songwriter wise? Um, at that time I was listening to James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez, um, and for, and then uh, more, I guess, a modern singer songwriters. Um, uh, I don't know. With that, it was more rock and roll, I guess. As mo- there weren't really any modern singer songwriters that I was super into at that time. But uh, I-, I was getting into grunge music, definitely hitting the Beatles very, very, very hard. Uh, they might be giants was another band I was hitting really hard um, in the early days of songwriting. So. I guess I would say the Beatles and they might be giants were the big songwriting influences after the classics that I started with. You know, when you're developing your writing style and, you know, you said the songs were so important to you. Was there a song that helped catapult your, your interest, your, your rock and roll journey into more of a singer songwriter type of inspiration? Um, was there a rock song that made me go singer songwriter? A song, just a song in general. Was it, was there a song that like you connected with like lyrically that, oh God. that I mean, you wanted to write music, you wanted to write a song? No, um, it didn't really happen for me like that. I was five years old. I was sitting in the yard, like swinging on a swing. And I've told this story a lot, but basically I was out there making up songs and my mom came out and um, said, are you picking that up? And the way she said it, I thought I was in trouble. So I said, no. Um, and she's like, well, it's okay. If you, if you are making up a song, that's a really special thing. Like that's a good thing. And the next day she gave me a little cassette tape recorder and showed me how to push play and record and said, if you ever make up anything, you can push these two buttons and that way you can show it to me later whenever you want to. And that's called recording a song. And I was like, oh, I'm five. That's pretty cool. And um, so I just started doing that as just an activity for a child to do. So um, it wasn't, I was like, I, I was writing songs before I was ever inspired to buy other music, uh, which is strange, I guess. But um, the song, like, I think the first song that really, uh, freaked me out musically and just like got me so excited as, as a little one like that was um well every prince song every prince song was just like i just oh i just want to dance my little butt off and just go crazy for like let's go crazy was a song that just really really blew my mind but then when you start becoming like 12 13 and you're realizing okay i don't just want to write songs to play at church 
I want to write about my feelings and things like that. Um, I think some of the, obviously some of the Beatles songs were really influencing those early songs I was writing um, because I wanted things to sound simple, but be heavy on their own. And that was something I, I really like songs that feel complicated or you think how on earth did they come up with that? And, and it's truly just so simple that it makes you crazy. I love that. So I think that's always what I was going for and inspired by was, was um, songs like uh, the Beatles, just like um, I will mm-hmm. the song. I will. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wh- how did you do that? <laughs> and you just want, that's like the dragon you're chasing to make a song like that. You know, it's interesting because you, you know, with what you're saying where it sounds complicated, but it's simple or like, and the other spectrum is like a band like ACDC where they play those riffs where it sounds simple, but it's really uh-huh. not. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's such an interesting way music is absorbed in how we hear it versus how it's done. Absolutely. And I just think there's nothing there's nothing more wonderful. And people, I'll finish one sentence before I start another one since this is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's There's... You know, there's nothing more wonderful than hearing a perfectly executed thought, both sonically and emotionally. And it happens sometimes. And people will will listen to it and go, "Ugh, it's so simple. It's just I will always love you with just a couple notes. And it, that's not that's the, the genius of it is how it was executed by Dolly Parton, you know, and, and so you. <laughs> You want to you want to have that enviable, sophisticated simplicity to where people are like, "Ah, oh, how did you boil that down to such a beautiful little nugget?" That's that's what all songwriters are really going for, you know. Yeah, is just that yeah. that perfection. But and then people will hear a country song, and be like, "Ugh, country! Those pop country songs. Anybody could write one of those hits." And I just always say, "Well, go write one." Right. Everybody always says <laughs> everyone can do it, but no one, not everyone does it. You know. Yeah. Go 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 down on Music Row and and uh, play some open mics because they still give publishing deals out at those open mics. I have a friend that got one. So you think you're so good? Go down there and write your. It's not as easy as it sounds. When you're developing your writing style and you're you know, you know you're growing as an artist and you're evolving, how do you write music? Is it from personal experience? Is it from observation? Are you telling a story? Where do you get your inspiration from when writing lyrics and music? Yes. So all the above. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think if you were to take more so early writing, I think you're pulling a lot of most early writers are really just, let's say, preteen, early teen, mid-teens. You're spilling your angst or you're telling your full tale, um, you know, of heartbreak or victory or horniness or whatever it is you're talking about as a 16 year old. And then as life moves along, I think it's for me, it was a combination of my story's not that important. And also uh, there's so much that we could talk about besides me. And uh, to, that's a very freeing 
<laughs> it's a very freeing uh, realization. And uh, I think in the 70s and the 80s, there was a lot more experimentation with things that weren't I, me, you. But rock and roll, modern rock is just so this I, this, you, that, this is my experience. This is what you're doing. And um, yeah, we really try to to do that, but also explore outside of that personal story to make things, one, more interesting one way or the other and to make our songs stand out a little bit, but also just to make them resonate with more people, you know? There's the vulnerability with writing about a personal experience, right? Because you got to tap into an emotion mm-hmm. that either is, you know, comfortable or uncomfortable. You know, right. then there's the the observation, right? You you observe things, you see things, you're absorbing it, and you've got to be, be creative enough to explain it in a song. And a song is usually three, four minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. And you're telling, and then when you're telling a story, you're trying to capture that moment. You're trying to lead the the person who's listening, the listener, on a journey with you. What when you're writing? You know, we talked about all the above. What is an what is an easier process for you as a writer? I think the easiest thing um, is to pick up your instrument, start playing something, and open your mouth and start saying something. And if what comes out is personal, that's wonderful. And, and that happens for me a lot. And what's coming out is not personal. That's also the jump off for, okay, well, what is this about? I love writing personal songs, but then I always at the end try to, because you're, you're so right. You want that authenticity and you want that emotion. So I might start telling a story. The easiest thing for me is to start telling a story that's mine, but then pull in details of so many people I love or I've heard about and their story and just take everyone's story and kind of almost like in a David Sedaris way, just like, you know, exaggerate facts, exaggerate the, the brutality or the beauty of something to, um, to create art. Right. Which is the, the goal um, to make something new. The new album is Tell Your Girls It's All Right. It's going to be out September 10th. A little bit of a delay there recently, but <clears throat> still excited for the new music because what we've heard so far, what I've heard so far, has just been tremendous. Oh, um, yay. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, the way you guys use the horns on this album <laughs> in certain songs is just huge. It's just it's so the album is so diverse um with what you're doing is is i can't say enough about it oh thank you so much what was the process for you guys in writing this album we just you know we're well we just you know i was gonna say we just went through but we're still going through a pandemic um Mm -hmm. you know we no one really did much last year you you got to tap you know tap into emotion like you just said. Where did all this come from? Where did all this? Where was the inspiration for a lot of this music? We have done a, we've done a lot of records before this, so I think this is actually our fifth album. First on a la- on a label outside of our own self release. Um, our producer had always said we've used several producers, but the one that did this record, Matt, who's actually my husband now, um, 
he had always said, you girls need to spend more time creating this stuff. Like it, it, he, he was like, it's great, but it would be nice to hear what you would do if you had time. Because every record we ever did, we were writing maybe like a two week workshop or we were just writing so fast and recording so fast to between tours. So what got to happen with tell your girls it's all right is one, we had already committed. We're going to take our time to write this record. We're not going to put a a date on it. We're just going to write it till it's done. So we had already started doing that where we were writing every couple of weeks, we'd get together and write one or two songs over the course of several months. And then, So we already took our time. Then the pandemic hit right before release and we were able to take a whole nother year. So, so what, where we were, where we were with the record a year ago, since that time, we added the duet with Corey Taylor. We added the acoustic number. We added the horns. We added all this stuff that, you know, we would envision, but wouldn't have had time for otherwise. Um, and as far as the content of the record, that just oddly and very um, gracefully has has stayed relevant, even though some of those songs were written pre-pandemic, or actually all of them were written pre-pandemic. Our message of everything's going to be okay, you know, I know life is hard, everything's going to be okay, we need to support each other. We need to stand up for what we believe in. All the all the messages that are in that record work even better now than they did a year and a half ago. So it really just, I want to say, kind of worked out for it to get held back. It allowed us to really put love on it. That message of empowerment, is that what you want to convey with this record? You know, tell your girls it's all right, everything's going to be good. You know, stand up for yourself. You know, I just, I just had Dee Snyder on couple weeks ago from Twisted Sister, and I told mm-hmm. them the impact that we're not going to take it had on me as a young kid in Catholic school, you know, mm-hmm. you know, standing up for other people, standing up for yourself if you feel something's wrong. Is that the message you want to convey with this album? Yeah, in part. Um, I love, oh, you just can't, you can't beat that, that uh, song for just, uh, for just like breaking through teen angst, like that song is so good. But yeah, um, I love D. But uh, for us, it's not an angry album, or it's not a uh, it's not a sassy record, and it's it's more just um, a comfortable adult mature position of like you don't. It, it's it's like a big sister putting her arm around a little sister as far as the feminist aspects of the record. But it's not, you know, just for women, obviously it's a message for everyone to just be who you are, feel pride in yourself, take care of yourself, take care of each other more so than, you know, there's anger in the record, but it's anger over the, just the, the pain that we see that we see people go through, I guess. You mentioned that some of the album or some of the record was recorded and written prior to the pandemic, and then there was stuff written after that. And then there was a whole other bunch of stuff going on, too, in, in, in the world in 2020. Did you, yeah. did you notice or feel any type of difference in tone and color and shapes that you guys were 
were were recording and making with the music after everything started to happen? Well, we were finished with the record when everything started to happen. So we finished recording the record a month before the world shut down. So what happened for writing and recording the record, all that was already good to go. Um, I had written the murder, the murder ballad with Corey Taylor. Um, we did, we did write it together and we went ahead and recorded it, but I didn't know, I didn't know if we were going to get Corey on it in time for release. So that was the only addition was the extra time allowed for, we were able to get him on the record. Um, but I think when that's what I was kind of talking about is when the, when the tone of the nation shifted from, okay, now we're past election and we're in pandemic and this is a whole new world. This is all this new stuff going on. Um, I think we felt like our messages pretty much still worked and still spoke to what we were trying to say. So the color, the color and tone remained. The only tweaks I made were uh, lyrical, just really trying to eat, just polish, just polish things even more, be more concise, be more clear with the messages. But the, everything pretty much worked, I guess. And then, and then it goes that way when you're on the right track, I think. We didn't have to beat anything into submission on this record. I'll say that. It was all very natural. How was it for you guys to 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 sit on this album for a, you know a year or so, you know, and and have this material, know that the material is really good, but now have to sit on it. Was was that a difficult experience for you guys? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think it was we were so overwhelmed with just our hearts were going out to so many other people for the difficulties of the pandemic that I think it overshadowed any feelings of, you know, bummerness that we had, we were sad. And I think we were worried that it wouldn't work a year later. We felt so much at the time that especially the two songs that open the record, which everyone will hear in a couple weeks or a week or so, the two songs that opened the record were so we felt of their time, like Trump in presidency. Um, we just really felt like it was important to get those out right away. And what was so strange about it is that feeling kind of faded as we saw, Oh, these are messages that people are going to need long after <laughs> long after this. So it, it, it all worked out. <laughs> you know, we always talk about how the, you know, things change so quickly now, right? Things, because people's attention spans are so different. So what is, you know, relevant one week is irrelevant the next. But it's, when you look at everything and what's happened now for 18 months, it's still kind of the same. Like it's, it's not changing, right? There's still, you know, this push and pull between whatever's going on. And, you know, with the music you recorded, so sometimes it's all about, timing where if you would have released this album let's say last august it maybe it maybe it wouldn't have connected because of everything everyone's focus was on so many things but now you know even though we're still dealing with a lot of the same things we're we're, we're now in that kind of 
perspective mode, right? Where we're looking back on things, <laughs> where we're seeing where things went wrong or why things happened the way they were, rather than being in it. And sometimes when you're in it, things don't sound the same. Right. Did you feel like when you're, you know, now that the album is coming out, I mean, with the material that you have, do you feel it is the right time to release it? Oh my gosh, yes. We're so we're so excited about releasing it and and I just I just get so tickled thinking about um, you know, a few people that have that pre-ordered the limited edition vinyl. I think they've probably already gotten to hear the record. Um, and just the feedback from just those few people, I just know that I know that this record is going to do what we wanted it to do. And that is inspire and excite and delight. (laughs) So uh, for our fans, not everyone, obviously, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's doing what we're hoping it would do. Um, and with the, the small few and, and, yeah, I, I think it's a good time. Anytime's a good time to bring some light and positivity into a dark space. So we can't go wrong. And you can't help but be in a good mood when you hear horns, right? That's what I thought. Like, so that all came about because our bassist plays trumpet. And um, we were in a writing session and just joking about how neat it would be if she could play bass and trumpet at the same time. And we started just experimenting with trying her trying to do that. And uh, and that ended up being our album opener. And so once we had horns on that song, then it was like, well, I feel like we should do more of this. <laughs> and so she won't be playing horns live on anything but that one song. Um, but it just really did put, it puts a sparkle on it. It puts a positivity and a fun element into it that we didn't have before so it's yeah we're super happy with it and the horn players we got were wonderful and the arrangements that matt did were so good and it was just great yeah it's like this rock album you know with elements of you know classic and grunge and punk like you guys are known for and then all of a sudden you have like this marching band new orleans parade you know trumpet going and it's like wow that is such a cool element in the music that's added I mean, it's so it's so unique it really is thank you we were we were really we were really excited when we started seeing it all come together and um you know as a three-piece band you really get to every every person has so much weight they carry in the project and and everything is really we we have to keep certain things simple um in order to make it, for instance, we're not doing a bunch of guitar solos because there's no bed for them. <laughs> if I stop playing rhythm guitar, uh, they are guitar solos, but it's, it's basically we got to keep everything pretty simple. And, and it's more the time signatures, the drumming, the changes, the chords we choose. We really try to add our color there. So having the trumpets, and the, and the sax and the trombone and baritone be able to just paint such brilliant colors on everything was just such a blast. How, how is, you know, being in a trio with, like you said, everybody being on the same page, you know, everybody's got their creative, 
you know, ideas. How do you guys merge all that and, you know, try to make everyone happy or try to, you know, assess things and, and do the right thing for the band? Oh gosh, it's so easy. <laughs> we, we laugh about it all the time. Uh, um, you know, one of Daisy, our bassist, one of her favorite things to say is when, when people tell her, you know, Oh, you were great up there. She goes, thank you. It's so much easier than it looks. <laughs> it's what she always says, but, um, but now that she's got a trumpet in one hand, I think she's taking, she's rolling that statement back a little bit, but, um, I think our writing is pretty effortless. Uh, you know, we talked earlier in the conversation about that. I was doing that when I was five, like that's not, it just pours out. So, um, and I feel like the, my bandmates have that same kind of just like well of stuff that can just come out. So it's, we're never sitting there wondering what should it be? It's always just, here's a bunch of options and best option wins. And we don't, there's never a, with the trio, there's never a thing of like, well, I wish you would do it this way instead of that way. It's, it's just, it's very effortless in, 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 in as much as, you know, finding the song is pretty effortless. We just travel on that road together till we find it. And we might have moments where we stop and go, what are we going to do here? And I might give an example or the drummer McQueen or the bassist Daisy might give a idea. A lot of times it's Daisy giving like a chord progression that she thinks would be cool. And then we just kind of build on that. Or when I'm offering suggestions, it's a lot of times like something weird <laughs> that I want to do. Um, and then, you know, McQueen is so, she's so um, multi-dimensional as a drummer. She can do so many different things. So it, she, a lot of times takes us in a direction we wouldn't have thought of that makes the song better. So yeah, it's just, we just follow each other's lead. You guys are about to go on tour with Candlebox. You'll be in not my neck of the woods in mid-September. Looking forward to that. Yay. How is it? for you guys to finally be on a tour after being kind of in limbo for so long, like many, so many other bands. Um, cautiously optimistic yeah. and, uh, depressingly exuberant. <laughs> I don't know. It's really weird. It's really weird. Honestly, like, of course we, of course we can't replace that feeling that, connection especially our fan base is extremely emotionally invested in them and care about them a lot hi baby hi <laughs> um i just sorry <laughs> my kid just walked in <laughs> um yeah so we're extremely in our fan base and so it's painful when we don't get to see them for long periods of time but at the same time, we want everyone to be safe and healthy. So, yeah, I guess we're just we're excited, but also nervous, I would say. It's a tough place to be in, too, right, you know, for a band, because you're, you're, you're so excited to move forward, to release this music, to have your fans hear it, to play for your fans, to make new fans. But there's like this sense of, well... Is it really going to happen? Are we going to have delays? Are we going to have postponements? I mean, it's just, it's got to be a very 
you know, to kind of thread that needle and kind of stay centered with what's happening it has to be difficult, it has to be a challenge. Yeah, it is. We're very lucky that we have it, it. We're very lucky that we have, um, such a cool headlining band that's going out with us. And, um, they are so, their team is so, um, cautious and smart and well-organized that we're able to take our cues from them and really put a lot of faith and trust in them and their team to make the right decisions for us all as a group. So in that, in that regard, I feel very safe and very, very lucky. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are you going to do if somebody on the tour gets COVID, then the tour is not happening in a lot of, in a lot of cases. So you just, you just pray that you just hope that, people understand that the vaccine isn't necessarily about you. It's about everyone. And um, I would never force anyone to do anything they don't think is right. For instance, not doing a VIP or whatever it is that we're just following their lead and it's, it's going to be great. And, and I'm really excited to, uh, it's a double, it's a double edged sword because I'm really excited to be on stage and connect in that way. And I'm really bummed out that we don't get to connect in a physical way with our fans at the merchandise table or other places, VIP, where we would normally get to see everyone and hug everyone. We're not going to get to do that. So it, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mixed bag of emotions. Well, the new album is Tell Your Girls It's All Right. The band is The Dead Deads. My guest today has been Meta Dead, the singer and guitar player. Thank you very much for doing this podcast. Oh, my gosh. I'm so, (laughs) it's so nice to speak with someone that's so knowledgeable about music. I really appreciate your questions, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime you guys can come back on. Oh. Uh, you, yeah, I would love for you to get to talk to the others as well. So we'll we'll have to make that arrangement. But you have a great day, and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. And we'll see you when we're in your neck of the woods. All right, everybody. My name is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. And we'll talk again soon. Bye bye. It's a world of It's a world. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
and why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.